In this first hour today, four political heavyweights in the U.S. House of Representatives sound off on the drama on Capitol Hill yesterday, which resulted, as you all know, in Kevin McCarthy being ousted as Speaker of the House. What a historic day in the annals of American history. We'll be joined in this hour by the leader in the reparations movement in the House, Sheila Jackson Lee, who's presently running for mayor in Houston. We'll be joined by L.A.'s Maxine Waters, the ranking member on the House Financial Services Committee. We will be joined by the chairman of the January 6th Select Committee, Mississippi's Benny Thompson. And we commence today's show with the man who led the House impeachment of Donald Trump, now running for the U.S. Senate, to fill the seat once held by the late Dianne Feinstein, California Congressman Adam Schiff. How's that, a line? How's that for a lineup in the first hour? Adam Schiff, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Good to be with you, Tavis. It's good to have you on. Let me just start with a big question, and we'll narrow as we move through. Um, to your mind, what happened yesterday? What happened on Capitol Hill? Well, I think what happened was the cumulative impact of Kevin McCarthy uh, breaking his word to too many people. Mm. Uh, his own members didn't have trust in him. Our members obviously don't have trust in him. Uh, this is someone who voted to overturn the last presidential election, who really carried Trump's water in the House. Uh, but also uh, reneged on the deal with the president, broke his word to President Biden, brought us to the brink of a default on the debt, brought us to a brink of uh, a shutdown, uh, and in so many ways had the House just going from one crisis to another. Uh, he just wasn't able to govern. And, uh, you know, uh, it shouldn't be too much to ask uh, for them to put forward a, a speaker who, though we can differ strongly on policy, at least keeps their word uh, and, uh, you know, has some... Uh, you know, some ethical compass, some integrity uh, that members can rely on to know at least there's a fair debate going on and that if they make a deal, they'll keep it. There was some talk 36, 48 hours ago that Democrats might um, strike some arrangement to, to help Kevin McCarthy hold on to his seat. Uh, it went like the argument went like this, that Hakeem Jeffries, the, your leader, the minority leader, would extract certain things out of Kevin McCarthy. And a few Democrats might swing over to help him save his speakership, not because they love him, adore him or respect him, but because they would have extracted certain things in that particular deal. We read yesterday, heard yesterday, late in the day, uh, that Hakeem Jeffries in your in your caucus said that's not the plan. Um, we're going to let Republicans figure this out. I and mean, if he goes down, he goes down. I was in the meeting. That's not a direct quote. But what say you about the earlier conversation that there might have been some deal uh, that Democrats might have cut to extract certain things to let him stay in office a little longer? You know, there was really never that much support for that idea. Uh, there you know, may have been a couple people who entertained it. But uh, at the caucus meeting uh, where I spoke uh, against making any kind of a deal with McCarthy uh, and, you know, laid out how if we provided any of the votes to keep him in the Speaker's office, we would own that decision. Mm. Uh, and we would own everything he did thereafter. And one thing Kevin McCarthy has demonstrated time and time again, if you, you can make a deal with him, but he won't keep it. Mm. Uh, so what good is it? And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I would rather have a Republican Speaker who is effective, um, because, uh, even though he may be more effective for them, but it was effective in governing the House because, you know, I'm focused on trying to attack the cost of housing and bring it down and find shelter for those who are homeless and uh, attack the fentanyl crisis and all these other challenges that my constituents want me working on. And I, I'm working on, but we can't get anything done on those things as long as there's no leadership in the House and, and no stability in the House. And right now it's chaos, and it's been chaos for the last 10 months of McCarthy's 
so-called leadership. I call them the crazy caucus. So long as um, Matt Getz of Florida and those other six or seven folk who uh, sided with him uh, behave or misbehave in the way that they are, can anything really get done? I mean, at some point there will be a new speaker, but so long as they are sort of uh, running things, what ultimately happens? Anything meaningful? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, part of, you know, that group of eight, and there's probably closer to 20 of them, uh, just personally vehemently dislike Kevin McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, it's not, not without reason, I think. Uh, he broke their word. Uh, he broke his word to them as well as to others. Um, whether they'll have a better relationship with someone else is entirely possible. Uh, You know, the House is not ungovernable, even with a narrow majority. Nancy Pelosi demonstrated we had the same majority they do, Mm -hmm. but we were unified, and we were unified in significant part because we had great leadership. We had Nancy Pelosi, and, you know, they don't have that, and, uh, and, you know, tragically for the country, uh, it means that we're not dealing with the serious challenges that we face, and we're just dealing with the constant churn in the Republican conference. I know you got to run full schedule, and I want to make room for these other guests I want to talk to, but I thank you for being my leadoff hitter today. Uh, final question. I couldn't close this conversation without asking you. LaFonza Butler, of course, chosen by Gavin Newsom uh, to be uh, my term, again, not yours, the seat warmer, uh, in the Dianne Feinstein seat, given her uh, passing uh, some days ago. You are the front runner, uh, as the nation knows, in this race to fill that seat. you got $30 million, we read, uh, on hand. You're leading slightly in the polls over Katie Porter, uh, far ahead of Barbara Lee at this point. Um, your thoughts, any comments about LaFonza Butler sitting in this seat for the time being? You know, I, I met LaFonza when she was with SEIU, and all my interactions with her have been really great. Uh, I went to watch her swearing in and congratulate her and offer to work together. Whether she runs or she doesn't, she's going to be in the Senate for the next year, and we need to work together to deliver for California. Uh, I think the reason why I'm doing so well in the race is because I have a long record of getting things done, of working with people to solve problems and delivering for California, uh, delivering jobs, delivering transportation projects, delivering uh, shelter for homeless people, uh, delivering an early earthquake warning system. Uh, It's a long list, and it's why Speaker Pelosi and so many of my colleagues, more than half of the California House Democrats have endorsed me. And I'm going to continue running my campaign, um, but we need to really focus on getting things done for people. We, you know, we have another great century and more of leadership, uh, but only if we fix this broken governance and we get back to work. Adam Schiff led the House impeachment of Donald Trump. He's the front runner uh, in the race to succeed Dianne Feinstein. Uh, LaFonza Belt, of course, uh, in that seat for the time being. Uh, we will see how this race turns out. But we always thank Adam Schiff for taking our phone calls and agreeing to come on to talk to us. Adam Schiff, appreciate you, man. All the best to you, sir. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Great to be with you. Take care of yourself. When we come forward, Sheila Jackson Lee, Maxine Waters, Benny Thompson. What a full first hour. We're going to squeeze an 80-pound show into a 60-pound bag. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Unapologetically progressive, progressive. unapologetically blind. You're tapped into Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. It is indeed. I'm delighted to have you with us in this hour. We are expecting a phone call from Sheila Jackson Lee out of Houston. Um, She is running for mayor in the city of Houston. As you know, the four largest cities in this country uh, right now are all governed by African-American mayors. Uh, In New York, there's Eric Adams, of course. In Los Angeles, there is, of course, Karen Bass. Uh, in Chicago, Brandon Johnson, who was a guest on this program earlier in this week when we uh, launched on WVON 1690 AM in the Windy City. 
We were joined by Mayor Johnson earlier this week. He's in Chicago. And, of course, Sylvester Turner uh, is the current mayor in Houston. If um, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee can do in Houston uh, what Brandon Johnson did in Chicago, that is uh, to transfer from one uh, black mayor to another, then all four of the largest cities in the country right now will retain African-American leadership in the mayor's office. And so we're expecting a phone call uh, from Sheila Jackson Lee here momentarily. Then we'll move to talk to Auntie Maxine. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap this hour talking to uh, Benny Thompson. Of course, Maxine Waters is the ranking member on the House Financial Services Committee, the former chairman of that committee, chair of that committee, when uh, Democrats controlled the House. Uh, and perhaps they will again sometime in the near future. Let's hope so, because all this this chaos, this circus in Washington right now just shows that the Republicans are not ready for prime time. So we'll talk to uh, Maxine Waters a, a little later in this hour. And then, of course, we'll, as I mentioned, we'll talk to Benny Thompson of Mississippi. How honored were we? What a, what a great moment in American history that a, a black man from Mississippi, no less, was the chair of the House Select Committee that oversaw those uh, January 6th hearings. Uh, and uh, let's be clear. There's no, no doubt about this. There is no way that Donald Trump is hemmed up legally in the way that he is right now. Uh, at various levels of government in various states, uh, as you know, a variety of cases, uh, he's going to be navigating on trial right now uh, for uh, overinflating his income, his worth, that is, uh, in the state of New York. Letitia James, the African-American attorney general there, uh, has him hemmed up even as we speak in court every day uh, in that case. But there's so many other cases to come. Uh, but none of this happens, particularly at the federal government level. Jack Smith doesn't have the resources, doesn't have the narrative, doesn't have the story, doesn't have the evidence uh, to do exactly what he's doing, if not for Benny Thompson's January 6th Select Committee, uh, doing a lot of hard work. And so we look forward to talking to Benny Thompson uh, later in this hour as well. Um, Sheila Jackson Lee has been, uh, as many of you know, the leader on the House floor in the reparations movement. Um, John Conyers, the late great congressman out of Detroit, was the first one, uh, it seems now decades ago, to introduce legislation uh, to establish a task force to at least study the issue of reparations. Uh, John Conyers, of course, retired some years ago and then passed uh, uh, years later. Uh, and um, John Conyers was the, was the floor general in that fight for reparations, and that baton has been passed to Sheila Jackson Lee. So I want to talk to her uh, not just about the vote uh, in the House yesterday, but if we can get her on the line here. I'm told she's at an airport and we're trying to get her to a phone to get her on the phone. Um, she's uh, leaving D.C., uh, headed to Houston. Uh, the House is in recess for the next week, and why shouldn't they be with all this drama that's going on? So members are leaving town, headed back to their districts, and so we'll get her on the line uh, as quickly as we as we can here. But I want to ask her about the reparations fight uh, in the House, if we get a chance to talk about that. Ask her how her race is doing uh, coming along there in Houston. Uh, so we'll, we'll get her again as quickly as we can, hopefully between now and the, and the bottom of this hour. Uh, but in case you just tuned in and more importantly, in case you're living under a rock, <laughs> then, then you uh, you have heard uh, about the drama uh, on Capitol Hill yesterday, which is fascinating for me. I, I, I said you know, weeks and weeks ago, uh, he survived, what, 269 days, I think, uh, in the 234 year history of the House. Uh, this has never happened. Members have never fired their leader in the middle of a term as they did yesterday. So this is historic in a variety of ways. Also historic because he only survived 239, 269, something like that, with a number of days that he actually survived as Speaker of the House. Uh, and so, as it, as it turns out, um, uh, historic in a number of ways that he was taken out uh, and that it's never happened before. 
And so um, uh, it raises all kinds of questions about what happens now. And so here's what we know at, at, at this moment. Uh, we know that uh, the toppling of Speaker Kevin McCarthy creates uh, clearly an uncertain future for Congress. It is at this moment, uh, these things are dynamic and organic and changing by the minute, but at this moment, uh, as I sit in this seat, uh, we are unclear who the next speaker will be. There are two things that we do know. One, we know it will not be Kevin McCarthy. That's the first thing. And the second thing we know, we know that because he said he's not going to run again. That's that's wise. It took him, what, 15 votes to get in there the first time. And many of us said months ago when that happened that he wouldn't survive long. It was so clear all the deals he had to cut to become the speaker uh, that these eight persons, Matt Getz and company, uh, were so rabid uh, in their in their politics. There was no way he could survive forever. And so many of us predicted uh, when he got the speakership after those 15 votes that he would not survive. Indeed, um, he didn't last um, long at all. Uh, and so we don't know who the next speaker is going to be. Uh, we do know that those eight members, as I said to Adam Schiff just moments ago on this program, as long as those eight persons are there, uh, who knows what happens next? Uh, Adam Schiff's view uh, is, was, uh, that the House can be governed and, and perhaps uh, they can find another speaker who will keep his word. He said that Kevin McCarthy just couldn't keep his word to anybody. Well, how can you when <laughs> you sold your soul uh, for the opportunity to be the Speaker of the House? And so, again, a lot more questions today than answers. And I'm pleased in this hour uh, to talk to a number of members uh, in the House, uh, heavyweights in the House, who were involved in this process yesterday. I do not have Sheila Jackson Lee at the moment, but I've got Auntie Maxine. Uh, Maxine Waters, of course, the ranking member on the House Financial Services Committee. Uh, when Democrats controlled the House, and I hope they will once again, she was the chair of the House Financial Services Committee. She was there yesterday, as all the members were, to partake in this historic day in the annals of American political history. And I am pleased to welcome Auntie Maxine back to this program. Congresswoman Waters, how are you today? I'm fine, and thank you so much for keeping the conversation going about this unusual uh, historic occurrence uh, that took place in the House of Representatives yesterday. Yeah. It is absolutely unbelievable yeah. what, uh, what, that what, we're going through this kind of uh, dysfunction of the Republican Party. Yeah, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry about that. Let me. Just, I want to just jump in, make the most of our time, and I'm glad I got you for a few extra minutes, in fact. Sure. Um, so let me, I, I asked Adam Schiff, your colleague, this question moments ago. Let me just ask you now, what, <laughs> what did you make of what went down yesterday? Well, what I made of it uh, was what we already kind of knew, that uh, they were in disarray. Uh, it was very chaotic, and that the ultra-right-wing uh, had basically taken over, and that uh, they think uh, that somehow getting rid of uh, of him, that um, they're going to be able to run the Republican Party. I think the Republican Party is in great disarray. Mm. I think McCarthy was weak. Uh, he could not control them. I heard a moment ago when you said, and you're absolutely right, he sold his soul. Mm. Uh, that 15 roll call votes that was taken really showed that uh, he was skating on thin ice, so uh, he couldn't control them. Uh, but look, let me just say this. In the final analysis, if the Republicans want anything, they've got to get to the president's desk. Mm -hmm. So they have a couple of hurdles. Number one, I know that the vote margin is very thin on the Senate side, uh, but we have an opportunity to stop them on the Senate side with that one margin, one vote margin that we have. But the president of the United States sitting in that corner office can deny them 
any and everything that they think they want, mm. if they want anything. And so that's what I'm, I'm hanging on to, uh, the fact that we do have some leverage there with the president of the United States. So, so long as these eight members, um, Matt Getz and company, I call them the crazy caucus, but so long as that crazy yeah. caucus exists, um, how can anything get done? I, mean, I can't imagine that anybody on the Republican side is going to be elected speaker if they don't do as Kevin McCarthy did, which is to cut some deal with these, with these crazy eight. So as long as they are there and they're doing what they're doing, how does anything, I mean, how, how does this not happen again? Well, it's going to be very difficult, but don't count out the fact that negotiations can go places sometimes you never dreamed it could go. You may have in that eight something that they want so bad, Mm. something that they really, you know, want to get back to their districts with, something they've been dreaming about for a long time. You never know. And so our negotiators have to be keen, have to be smart, have to be willing to talk with them one-on-one, whomever it is and how crazy they are. Jordan is crazy. I mean, he's absolutely nuts. (laughs) I had to shut him down in a committee uh, once. And so, but... (laughs) But you've got to be able uh, to use everything that you have. We have the best. We Mm -hmm. have Hakeem Jeffries. I want to tell you, this man is extraordinary. We love him. We are tight. We are a real team. We love him as a leader. And so we're going to be in good shape to do whatever needs to be done. Mm -hmm. We're just not going to give away the store to anybody. I assume you meant by Jordan, Jim Jordan out of Ohio. Yep, yeah, that's, that's what I figured. <laughs> I, I fancy you were talking about crazy Jim Jordan. Uh, let me let me ask you. Uh, let, me, let me ask you just right quick, and we'll continue when we come forward. And I'm glad I got a few extra minutes with you. Uh, okay. Let me ask you this, uh, M- McCarthy. Let me, let me let me let me let me let me let me shift for a second. You, Kevin McCarthy is a, is a Republican, but he's from California, and so you have known Kevin McCarthy because he's in the California caucus with you. Just just talk to me about t- tell me your view, your read of Kevin McCarthy as an individual, as a person, because you know him obviously. Well, I, I never thought that he was suited uh, to be the Speaker of the House of Representatives. He comes from Bakersfield, mm-hmm. where the politics are not real strong there, and he can get away with not really being, uh, you know, real a strong legislator, um, and I never thought he could, he could do it. I never thought. He likes to run around with Elon Musk. Uh, he wants to be in, you know, the Players Club. Mm. Uh, but he, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. Congresswoman, I, I lost you. You may, I hope you hit the, maybe hit the mute button on your phone, but your face, sometimes it happens with your cheek. You oh, may, oh, there okay. you go. You're back. You're back. You're back. Okay, well, I just... Uh, I've never thought much of him. Yeah. I've always thought him to be weak. But the worst thing about him is we learned an awful lot about him. Remember the point at which he thoroughly criticized Trump uh-huh. and talked about him pretty bad. And then he went crawling oh, on yeah. his hands and knees oh, to Mar-a-Lago yeah. mm-hmm. uh, to get, you know, Trump uh, to let him in again and to, you know, like him and work with him. You can't trust people like that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, if he felt so strongly that Trump was wrong, uh, that he had committed, you know, basic, you know, unforgivable sins in the way that he had aligned himself with Putin and how he was in charge of the operation that went on on January 6th with the insurrection that was led by Trump. If he believed that he was bad, and then all of a sudden he could switch. No, I get it. Overnight. No, nope, I get and it. And then go down there and beg 
you know, to be accepted. You can't trust anybody like that. I, that's the quote of the day. You can't trust anybody like that. Auntie Maxine is on Tavis Smiley. We'll continue when we come forward. I want to ask her a number of things when we come forward, including whether or not Democrats did the right thing. Adam Schiff said he thinks so. They left They left Kevin McCarthy out to dry, hung him out to dry. They could have saved him. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries could have cut a deal, extracted certain things. A few Democrats could have crossed over and saved his seat. They did not. Did they do the right thing, letting the Republicans hang themselves and hang McCarthy. We'll talk about that and more with Auntie Maxine when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. This is getting good. Yeah, man. Tavis Smiley, Smiley. continues when we come forward. Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. I'm Tavis Smiley. We are talking about what else in this first hour of the... Uh, the brouhaha on Capitol Hill yesterday. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, as you all know, lost his speakership yesterday. And uh, we are fortunate in this hour to be joined by a variety of voices. We spoke uh, to Adam Schiff at the top of this hour, uh, who led the House impeachment of Donald Trump. Uh, we are in conversation now with Auntie Maxine, Maxine Waters, uh, Congresswoman, of course, out of California. She is my Congresswoman and the Congresswoman for the district uh, that I sit in right now. And as a matter of fact, uh, hosting this uh, this radio program and uh, we'll uh, continue our conversation with her in just a moment. Uh, I'm pleased also to be joined on the phone just for a quick conversation by Sheila Jackson Lee, um, uh, one of the one of the leaders in the House on the reparations movement, as you know, and now running for mayor in the city of Houston. If she can pull off in Houston what Karen Bass pulled off in L.A., uh, they would both have left Congress and become mayor mayors of major cities. As you know, the first uh, the, the top four cities in this country right now all have black mayors, uh, New York, uh, L.A., um, Chicago, Houston, all with African-American mayors. Uh, she's running to succeed Sylvester Turner in Houston. Congresswoman Jackson Lee, how are you today? Hi, wonderful. Thank you so very much. You are certainly uh, dealing with the best when you're talking to uh, Maxine Waters. So it's a pleasure to be on with you as well. I know you're on a plane, so I'm going to just talk to you for two or three quick minutes and, and let you and let you run. I can hear the back noise, the background noise already. Just give me your quick take on what happened yesterday as you saw it. What you what what you make of it? Well, first, I want to say I look forward to coming back uh, because I do want to talk extensively. But what we saw was both a constitutional debacle uh, and the refusal of the present speaker to understand what collaborative or shared power could be. I don't know if anyone realizes that Mr. McCarthy never called our leader, uh, leader Hakeem Jeffries, to discuss uh, any pathway going forward. Uh, and certainly it was the Democrats that saved Mr. McCarthy with the uh, coalition that we had to avoid the government shutdown. So uh, it's a constitutional office. Some might think of it as a constitutional crisis. I think the way we should look at it is that it is uh, an important recognition that democracy is fragile, but democracy is also strong. And I believe that we're going to go forward. It is the um, lack of ability of the conference, the Republican conference, to even work together. They couldn't even get an agreement to keep a speaker when they won the majority. How do you throw the majority away? But my concern, as you have said, I am running for the seat of being the mayor of the fourth largest city in the nation. Uh, I love the people of Houston. I have been honored by serving in Congress. It's now time to take that information down. And so the point of a speaker is crucial. It's crucial to cities across America, L.A., uh, Chicago, Houston, Jackson, Mississippi, Atlanta, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, because the federal funding is the bridge that mayors and city councils and the people of our constituency rely on uh, to complete the operations of the city. 
And the reason why we as Democrats had to fight, because you cannot believe it, cutting $800 million from the Women and Children Program, mm-hmm. we couldn't stand for that. Uh, cutting, uh, obviously, the military wasn't going to be paid if it was a government shutdown. The border wasn't going to be secured. But cutting huge amounts of money from our environmental uh, legacy that we have, sending environmental dollars into our local communities. So we weren't prepared to accept the draconian bill that uh, he put on the floor, meaning the Speaker, on Friday. Right. And we moved to put a bill that would, one, respond to the needs of the people of the United States. I think what, if I can reflect uh, in a generic sentence to you, uh, Democrats still save the day. Yeah. Save the day on uh, Friday, on Saturday, save the day on Friday, actually, by certainly refusing to vote for that draconian cut. We save the day by stopping the uh, shutdown, plain and simple. Nobody else stopped it but us. And then we were prepared to leave uh, if only we had been engaged. But now we will be the adults in the room on the floor of the house, mm-hmm. and we will have to get the right kind of legislation done. I appreciate you coming uh, on the program. Uh, I know you're on a plane trying to get back to Houston to continue campaigning uh, to be the mayor of that city. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll reschedule some time. We can talk just about your mayor's race. But thanks for calling in, Congresswoman Jackson Lee. We appreciate you. All the best to you. Thank you. We're staying the fight for the American people and for Houstonians. Thank you for having me. Good to talk. Good to hear you. Good to hear your voice. Thank you for calling in. Uh, Auntie Maxine, you mentioned Jim Jordan. He's announced that he's running to replace Kevin McCarthy. What, 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 what would that look like if Jim Jordan was Speaker of the House? Well, the first thing, uh, the entire country should be very concerned uh, because Jim Jordan is crazy. Hmm. Uh, you talked about the crazy caucus. He's the leader of it. You can expect him to say anything, to do anything, to come up with unreasonable requests. He's the one that is pushing uh, for impeachment of Biden without having done any investigation, without having any facts. Uh, and so it's scary to have someone like that think they could even be the Speaker of the House. It's outrageous. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Uh, sometimes you have an abundance of riches. We have that this hour. We've spoken already to Adam Schiff, who led the House impeachment of Donald Trump. We just spoke to Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, who uh, is one of the leaders in the reparations movement in the House. Um, that uh, is a, a mantle she sort of picked up from the late, great John Conyers. And now running, uh, she is, for mayor of Houston. We are talking uh, right now to Auntie Maxine. And I'm pleased to be joined by my homeboy from M.I., Crooked Letter, Crooked Letter, I, Crooked Letter, Crooked Letter, I, Humpback, Humpback, I. Uh, he was the chair of the January 6th Select Committee, and there's no way that Jack Smith is doing what he's doing in all these Donald Trump cases had it not been the fine, for the fine work done by the chair of that committee, Benny Thompson of Mississippi. Congressman Thompson, how are you today, sir? I'm doing all right, homeboy. How are you? I mean, if I complained, I'd be an ingrate. It's good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice. Uh, you're on with you're on with your colleague and your friend Maxine Waters. Let me just get your take. How did you read what went down on the hill yesterday? Well, you know, this is what uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy deserves. He gave up the farm. He gave up friends. He gave up family to be speaker. Mm. And when he looked in the toolbox. There was nothing left. So the Matt Gates of the world uh, came back and exercised some of those tools on him that he gave Matt Gates. So uh, he rightfully deserved what he got. And the fact that these mega Republicans are hell-bent on destroying this government. Uh, they don't really care about uh, educating children. They don't care about housing. They don't care about the homeless. All they're trying to do 
is push that mega philosophy down the throats of right-thinking people in this country, and we can't let them do that. Yeah, uh, I want to ask you both this question. I'll start with you first, Congressman uh, uh, Thompson. Um, whether or not, in retrospect, Democrats did the right thing. We talked to your colleagues again, uh, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee and Adam Schiff earlier in this hour. Uh, and Adam Schiff certainly says he believes Democrats did the right thing. There was talk earlier that Hakeem Jeffries and Democrats might cut some sort of deal, extract something out of Kevin McCarthy. Uh, and a few Democrats would cross over to save his seat. That ultimately didn't happen. Hakeem Jeffries in your caucus yesterday said, we're going to let him, we're going to let them hang themselves and that's exactly what happened in retrospect did democrats do the right thing because they could have saved kevin mccarthy absolutely uh you know uh they elected republicans elected uh kevin uh mccarthy uh and it's not our job to save him mm-hmm. uh, he's done a horrible job as speaker and if he doesn't understand uh bipartisanship uh you know the worst time uh to ask for help or uh, to get to know people is when you're in trouble. <laughs> uh, Kevin McCarthy did nothing as Speaker to engage Democrats, and it's not our job to save him uh, when the wolf's at the door. Yeah. And the wolf was at the door, and they ate him. Mm. <laughs> and they ate him. <laughs> uh, when we come forward, I'll ask that same question to Maxine Waters. How, how beautiful is this? In one hour, Adam Schiff, Sheila Jackson Lee, Auntie Maxine, Benny Thompson, this is why you listen to Tavis Smiley. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. Congressman Maxine Waters, did Democrats do the right thing yesterday? We absolutely did. And we stuck together uh, with our leader, Hakeem Jeffries. We were a real strong team. We did the right thing for anybody who thought we should save Kevin McCarthy. They really were not thinking straight. Why should we save him when, number one, he can't be trusted? Number two, he reneged on any agreements that we thought we had. And number three, he's weak, uh, and so he couldn't control his own caucus, his own conference. We had no reason to try and save him. Mm. We did the right thing. As I understand it, and the two of you know these rules much better than I do, Congressman Waters, let me start with you. Um, so the, the House is on recess now, so everybody's headed back to their districts right now. So like over the next week, like we don't have a speaker. I mean, there's, a, there's an interim speaker, but what, like what happens over the next week or so? Well, uh, there's some unclear uh, rules that I think have been uh, exposed. One is he put in an envelope the name of a person uh, that he felt should serve as a temporary speaker. And it's something with the rules that allowed him to do that. Normally, it would be a list of names that would make up a committee of sorts. But he put in one name, and that person would be responsible for trying to uh, get an election going to elect a speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, me, let me pivot. And since I have the two of you here, there are a couple of other issues I want to talk about uh, in the time that we have left between now and the top of the hour. Uh, Congressman Thompson, uh, Chairman Thompson, let me come to you right quick. Um, I haven't had a chance to ask you because it just happened this week. So Donald Trump is on trial again. Uh, and there are many more trials to come. As I said, uh, introducing you, none of this stuff happens without for the great work of your committee. Of course, he's on trial right now for overinflating his income in the state of New York. Uh, uh, the sister attorney general, Letitia James, uh, is in charge of that particular case. But what do you make of all the drama that Donald Trump has found himself in, given the work that you did leading that committee? 
Well, first of all, every uh, Donald Trump situation was self-inflicted. Uh, everything he finds himself in, it was because he did it. So uh, I worked on the committee. We found a lot of things about this individual. Uh, a lot of them we couldn't present to the public. But just about everything you see playing out with Jack Smith's committee mm-hmm. came from the work of the January 6th committee. Oh, yes. We were not a prosecutorial committee, uh, but there was significant evidence that we came on uh, uh, that we shared with the Department of Justice. Our charge was to look at the facts and circumstances that brought about January 6th. In the process of looking, uh, we found a treasure trove of Donald Trump misdeeds. Mm. And so we shared those misdeeds at the end of our work with the Department of Justice. So the roadmap to what you're seeing uh, playing out now uh, ostensibly was the work of the January 6th committee. I would take well, I would take the word ostensibly out. <laughs> it, it is uh, because of the work of the committee that he's doing it, and there is no ostensibly to it. But I take your point that you're very kind. When we come forward in our remaining moments with Congresswoman Maxine Waters and Congressman Benny Thompson, I want to ask Congresswoman Waters about LaFonza Butler and the appointment that Gavin Newsom made because she, of course, is from California, uh, represents California. And I want to uh, ask uh, Benny Thompson uh, about these fake impeachment hearings. If you think yesterday was a debacle, did you see the first day of these so-called impeachment uh, inquiry hearings about Joe Biden. We'll get his take on that when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Rank number 45 on the heavy hundred list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America. Smart talk for curious people just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Got about four minutes left in this hour, and I've enjoyed this immensely. I hope you have uh, as well. Um, we thank Adam Schiff. Uh, we thank Sheila Jackson Lee. We thank Maxine Waters and Benny Thompson. Um, Maxine Waters, Congresswoman, let me let me let me let me ask you um, your thoughts on Lafonza Butler. Um, Gavin Newsom had a choice to make. Uh, Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, Barbara Lee, of course, all running for this seat. Um, your thoughts on Lafonza Butler as a you know, my my phrase the the seat warmer at least for the time being. Well, let me just say this. Uh, Newsom uh, basically complicated it in the way that he moved forward with it. First, he was going to just appoint a black woman. Then he wanted uh, a black woman who would be temporary and who would not run. And then, of course, it turns out he got a black woman who um, is temporary, and nobody knows whether she'll run or not. Uh, The complication of it all is that Barbara Lee, who was one of the uh, contestants now uh, in the race to become a senator, uh, you know, was in the campaign. Uh, She has a long history. Uh, She's a progressive. uh, And, of course, uh, black women, of course, are getting behind her as other women are getting behind her. What we don't know is whether or not with two black women in the race, they will split it up Mm. and neither one of them will have a chance. Or with now expanding it with four people in the race, they will split it up among Democrats and a Democrat will have to run after a Republican, uh, 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 against the Republican. And so it's a little bit complicated. I'm sure that LaFonza Butler is qualified to do whatever it takes to do uh, to keep the seat warm, uh, to be temporary. She was with SEIU. She helped to run Kamala's campaign when she ran Mm -hmm. for vice president. And she's over at Emily's List now, where women raise a lot of money for other women. 
So she's got all the pieces uh, that's needed in order to, you know, keep that seat warm and be temporary. Barbara Lee, I believe, who I supported strongly, uh, is one that could have hit the ground running because she really does understand not only uh, the House of Representatives but the Senate. And, of course, she's from, you know, the North, and she knew Diane Feinstein very well. So she had all the qualifications. I was supporting her, and when they put all the names of all the women that were being thought of, I told them, I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. I want to support Barbara Lee. But the governor has made his choice, and so let's work with it. Yep, I hear your point, uh, but I think you're right. It's a hot mess, and Gavin Newsom screwed this up in a variety of ways. But I, 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 I digress on that point. Uh, I give the last word to, to the chairman of the January 6th Select Committee, Benny Thompson. Uh, Congressman Thompson, what, what is your read on these phony, fake impeachment hearings uh, of, uh, uh, of Joe Biden? Well, I couldn't put it any other way, Thomas. Uh They're phony, fake, uh, no substance, and... Uh, Joe Biden has a son. We all know that. Uh, but this, don't indict the father mm-hmm. for what the son is accused of. You know, I'm a father. Uh, I love my daughter. I will defend her uh, to the bitter end. But that has nothing to do with right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And so that's Kevin McCarthy's weak leadership that helped bring him down because he should have said, look, uh, we can do it, but you don't do it this way. Mm-hmm. So you're going to impeach a man because of his son. And I think we've seen it. There are witnesses that they put forth on the sham committee to talk about whether or not there's evidence, Tavis. They said it wasn't enough evidence <laughs> to indict him. So this is their own witness. Yeah. So now they really in, in, in a, a mess. Because they can't find anybody to promote that lie under oath. Yep. As See, when you come before Congress, uh, you you swear to tell the truth. Yeah. You know, you're not a Donald Trump or somebody who just lie all the time. <laughs> uh, and so clearly, uh, the Republicans are in a mess. Yeah. That's one way to put it. Uh, they are in a mess. And as you said earlier, Kevin McCarthy, uh, these, impeachment, these impeachment hearings uh, uh, as evidence got exactly what he deserved. And you heard uh, Maxine Waters and Benny Thompson say uh, Democrats did the right thing, uh, letting him uh, hang himself. Uh, we thank Adam Schiff. We thank Sheila Jackson Lee. We thank Benny Thompson. We thank Maxine Waters, all uh, heavyweight members of the United States Congress for coming on in this hour to talk about the drama yesterday on Capitol Hill.